welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Paul, and I am a sexaholic. Hi, Paul. And my uh, home group is Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this session is Can an Atheist Work the Twelve Steps? And it is being recorded. Paul, I need, when your audience speak, when the guys share the meeting, would you have them come up yes. and sit next to you? Yes, I will. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, this session is Can an Atheist Work the Twelve Steps? And it is being recorded. Uh, Franklin is going to be my co-leader. Um, so let's start with the serenity prayer. A moment of silence. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, I am going to read the protocol for this meeting. Please leave all identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about from the essay point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not SA or AA approved. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please see me or a temporary sponsor, someone with a uh, yellow dot on their name tag after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share, please come up and sit in the chairs next to the microphone. As one person moves to the sharing chair, others move over and another person takes the empty chair, what I call the on-deck chair. So that as many members as possible may have a chance to share, please limit your sharing to a maximum of two minutes. I stop, uh, I'll have a little ringtone to remind you when you reach two minutes. Please speak into the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. Please speak in the I and me and not you and they. Okay, so uh, now I'm going to share my story. Uh, I'm going to share two minutes of uh, how I got into the program and then two minutes on uh, how I stay sober. And then Franklin is going to have four minutes to share his uh, story. So uh, my name is uh, Paul, and I am a sexaholic, uh, and my home group is uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia, um, but actually I was born and raised in New York City. Uh, I was actually born at uh, Wheel uh, Cornell Medical Center over on the East River. Um, I uh, grew up in a middle-class family. Um, I was not uh, traumatized as a child. Um, I had a, a very uh, normal upbringing. Um, so, you know, there was nothing really out externally that would cause me to become a sexaholic. 
But the fact of the matter is, I am a sexaholic, and I have been a sexaholic all my life. In fact, I had pre-puberty experiences, which, uh, you know, just indicate to me that I was already wired for addiction. And it just turned out that uh, my addiction was was uh, sexaholism. Um, so what did that mean? Well, what that meant was I, I just thought about sex all the time. Uh, and in my teenage years, I masturbated all the time. And my solution to every emotional issue was uh, to masturbate. Uh, pornography was more difficult to obtain when I was growing up. You had to physically do something. You had to either go get a magazine or go uh, get a DVD. It isn't like it is today. Uh, so, but anyway, I uh, looked at mag, I looked at uh, pornographic magazines and uh, I masturbated. So I went to college and uh, I did uh, date women and I did have an affair with uh, a woman in college. And uh, I went in the Navy and I got married and I have two children and uh, I lived a normal middle class life. I was a businessman, a churchman, uh, but Really, I was living a dual life because there was the Paul that everybody knew, the church, the business, the family man. And then there was this other Paul that only I knew, which was the pornography person and uh, the person that masturbated. And so, as most of you know, uh, sexaholism morphs into, you know, more and more. Uh, what, what I did yesterday was never enough for today. And, uh, so, you know, I sought out professionals and, uh, I had, had an affair and, uh, finally got caught. So my wife and I went to a, a marriage counselor cause I did want to save my marriage. And, um, fortunately I, I had no idea, but he was a CSAT, which is a certified sexual addiction therapist, um, and uh, he he said, "You're a sexaholic," and I was thinking, I- "I'm you're crazy. I'm not crazy." But anyway, uh, he convinced me to. Uh, I, I got into the SA program, and my wife went to the SNN program. And um, when I when I first went to the meetings, I said, "What am I doing in this meeting with all these crazy people?" Uh, but. A fellow that was there got up and he said to me, you know, I know none of this makes any sense to you. Just keep coming. Just come to meetings and just listen. You don't have to do anything. Just listen. Give it a month. So I did that. And uh, after a month, I, uh, I began to realize that maybe I did have a problem. And I got a temporary sponsor. I did the newcomer's uh, step work, which is uh, uh, going back to basics. And uh, I eventually got a sponsor and uh, worked the, st- the 12 steps. So I have been, uh, by the grace of God, sober for five years. Um, what do I do to stay sober? Uh, I have to work on it every day. I have to uh, remind myself, I have to go to meetings and make phone calls and stay connected. And uh, how do I, one of the several ways that I stay connected is I uh, go to meeting, um, I uh, have sponsees and uh, I do uh, volunteer work. And, uh, and I pray and I stay in contact and, uh, I have to do it every day. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter that I've been sober for five years. All that matters is stay sober today. One day at a time. That's what this program is all about. And that's what I've been practicing. And, and that's what's kept me sober so far. But I know that I'm always near the edge. 
So now I will turn the mic over to Franklin to tell his story. Thanks, Paul. I'm Franklin. I'm a sexaholic. So the topic is, can an atheist work the steps? And I'm an atheist, and I walked into these rooms and heard an awful lot about God and heard a lot of prayer, which I'd never done. Um, and the whole topic was really uncomfortable for me. Now, nine years later, I can say I absolutely embrace my higher power, and I absolutely embrace the, the miracles of recovery that come through doing this work. But the turning point, one of the turning points for me was this passage in the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, the 12 and 12. Um, uh, did I lose it? No. Um, yeah, let's look first at the case of the one who says you won't believe, the belligerent one. Well, he is in a state of mind which can be described only as savage. His whole philosophy of life in which he is so gloried is threatened. It's bad enough, he thinks, to admit alcohol sexaholism has kept him down for keeps, but now, still smarting from that admission, he's faced with something really impossible. How does he cherish the thought that man, risen so majestically from a single cell in the primordial ooze, is the spearhead of evolution and therefore the only God that his universe knows? Must he renounce all this to save himself? At this juncture, his AA sponsor usually laughs. This, the newcomer thinks, is just about the last straw. This is the beginning of the end. And so it is, the beginning of the end of his old life and the beginning of his emergence into a new one. His sponsor proudly says, take it easy. The hoop you have to jump through is a lot wider than you think. At least I found it so. So did a friend of mine who was a one-time vice president of the American Atheist Society. But he got through with room to spare. Well, says the newcomer, I know you're telling me the truth. It's no doubt a fact that AA is full of people who once believed as I do, but just how in these circumstances does a fella take it easy? That's what I want to know. Love the 30s language. A fella. Well, says uh, that agrees the sponsor is a very good question indeed. I think I can tell you exactly how to relax. You won't have to work at it very hard either. Listen, if you will, to these three statements. First, alcoholics... Sexaholics Anonymous does not demand that you believe anything. All of its 12 steps are but suggestions. Second, to get sober and to stay sober, you don't have to swallow all of step two right now. Looking back, I find that I piecemeal it myself. I took it piecemeal myself. Third, all you really need is a truly open mind. Just re Resign from the debating society and quit bothering yourself with such deep questions as whether it was the hen or the egg that came first. All I say, all, again, I say all you need is the open mind. Take, for example, my own case. I had a scientific schooling. Naturally, I respected, venerated, even worshipped science. As a matter of fact, I still do. All but the worship part. Time after time, my instructors held up to me the basic principle of all scientific progress. Search and research again and again, always with the open mind. When I first looked at AA, my reaction was just like yours. This AA business, I thought, is totally unscientific. This I can't swallow. I simply won't consider such nonsense. Then I woke up. I had to admit that AA showed results, prodigious results. I saw that my attitude regarding these had been anything but scientific. It wasn't AA that had the closed mind. It was me. The minute I stopped arguing, I could begin to see and feel. Right there, step two gently and very gradually began to infiltrate my life. I can't say upon what occasion or upon what day I came to believe in a power greater than myself, but I certainly have that belief now. To acquire it, I only had to stop fighting and practice the rest of AA's program as enthusiastically as I could. This is only one man's opinion based on his own experience, of course. I must quickly assure you that AA's tread innumerable paths in their quest for faith. If you don't care for the one I've suggested... You'll be sure to discover one that suits you, if only you'll look and listen. Many a man like you has begun to solve the problem by the method of substitution. And here's the nut for me. Uh, sorry. Uh, you can, if you wish, make AA or SA itself your higher power. 
Here's a very large group of people, a very large group of people this weekend, who have begun to solve the problem by the method of substitution. I'm sorry. Here's a very large group of people who have solved their problem. In this respect, there's certainly a power greater than you. Who cannot, uh, you who cannot even come close to a solution. Surely you can have faith in them. Even this minimum of faith will be enough. You will find many members who have crossed the threshold this way. All of them will tell you that once across, their faith broadened and deepened. Relieved of the obsession, their lives unaccountably transformed, and they came to believe in a higher power. And most of them began to talk of God. So, for me, the path included letting go of the problem I had with the word God. Because it was this idea of some mystical, uh, you know, maybe it was the white-bearded God, maybe it was just the idea of an omnipotent power, and I, I am grounded in science. I don't believe in an omnipotent power that has control or plans. I, I can't, but I do see that I'm part of a larger whole, and I feel that now. It's more than just intellectual. I was in treatment when I first got going, which was a very fortunate thing. One of the guys in my small group said, what, who was a raging narcissist, not unlike myself or anyone else, but he was quite something. And he, he one day said in the small therapy group, I think my inner voice, my spiritual voice is getting louder. The therapist looked at him and said, no, I think you're getting quieter. That was beautiful for me. Now, I don't get quiet often enough. I still don't. But when I do, I've discovered there is an inner spiritual voice because it's not thinking and it's not feeling. Now, I have my feelings because of this program, which I didn't have. And um, I'm not so convinced that my thinking is always right as I once was. But the third piece of that is that I have discovered that I have an inner spiritual voice, and it's not the same as thinking or feeling. It's something else. So it doesn't have to be metaphysical to me to work. It just has to be, and it certainly is there. And it definitely connects me to humanity, to all of you. The other part of it is much more practical. It's just I've learned that my life works better when I surrender control. I call it living in consultation. It's my own way of thinking about it. Instead of making a hard decision myself, I, when I'm doing better, you know, I stop and I start asking people in program and therapists, you know, and my wife and other people. But I asked other people and I listen to what I hear. And there have been Numerous times when, you know, my sponsor told me something I really disagreed with. I just, no, just wrong, no. And I talked to other people. And once the opinion was pretty close to unanimous, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm not running the show anymore. I've never regretted that. It's always worked out so much better when I did what I was told or what other people had shared as their insight and wisdom. So it's that practical. I don't have to believe in a religious God to believe in a higher power. You are my higher power. And I also know that I'm connected to you in ways that are different than what my upbringing taught me, which was that, you know, it was all about intellect, period. End of story. No, there's way, way more than that going on. Uh, even if it is just physics, you know, in our brains, which I believe, but it doesn't explain it. There's more to life than what can be explained at the physics level because of something called emergent properties. And there's all these really great ways of thinking about it that to me are very exciting. They're irrelevant to this, which is just letting go and letting my higher power. And it works. So thanks. Thank you, Franklin. Thanks, Franklin. Okay, we'll now uh, open the mic and entertain people that would like to come up and uh, share their experience with uh, uh, dealing with a higher power. So the mic is now open. 
we have someone else who's willing to go. Come on up now. Uh, morning, I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I uh, appreciate the uh, the topic this morning because this is the uh, this is the one that I've struggled with the most. You know, I I needed uh, I needed help a long time ago. I'll get closer. I needed help a long time ago. Um, in uh, in in two different twelve step fellowships uh, and. Uh, it was one, two, three, and I was out because I could uh, I could go online and look at step one, be like, okay, yeah, I got that. Step two, starting to get a little dicey. Step three, God comes into the equation, and I'm, I was gone. Um, so for ten years, I was out in the wilderness because I just would not be open minded enough to think that a program that had God in it would be okay for me. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that I sunk down low enough that I was willing to uh, get into it. And uh, it's still something I struggle with. And I think that um, I don't believe in a mis- mystical power that, uh, you know, that has all, all kinds of uh, stories attached to it. I just can't get there, but I can get there that there's power in a group of people. And that's what I think gets me through and just being open to that. There's actually scientific, um, and social science evidence that there is power in, in a group of people. And that's the part that, that keeps me going and feeling that connection to everybody is something important for human beings. And that, that I think is what does it and what, and what gets me through. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I wish that, um, that part of the struggles of atheists would be a little bit more open in the entire fellowship because I felt that in group meetings, um, I can, I can share the, the most horrible, um, sexual acting out and be completely accepted. If I tell people that we're working on the third step and she's, I've got to just have a struggle with this God concept. And I've never felt more unaccepted. Um, so I'd really hope that, uh, some part of the message of that and acceptance for people that are struggling with this is maybe just as difficult and maybe more so coming in here than struggling with, um, with any of your previous behaviors that got you here. Uh, cause everybody's accepting of that. So, um, that's all I got. Thanks a lot. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Good morning. I'm Kevin. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I am an atheist. Um, I try not to say that word too fast. Um, and by that, I mean that I don't believe in a, I don't have, well, I don't believe in a deity, I guess, you know. Um, but I do, I, I think of myself as a spiritual person, you know, and I related a lot to, uh, you know, what Franklin was saying. I, my, my experience has been pretty similar to, to what he shared. Um, in essay, you know, they, you, you read this stuff like the hoop you have to jump through is bigger than you think. And it can be, you, your higher power can be anything you want it to be. And then you get to the end of the meeting and they say the Lord's prayer. And I'm, I knew that's who you were talking about. <laughs> And the language is a lot of this him with a capital H language, which I, I know it's just language, but language structures thought, you know. And I, I always feel like I'm not thinking about this right because I'm not thinking about him, you know. But so the way I approached it, I, I kind of did the steps out of I have to do the steps out of order. I do the third step first. I start doing stuff. Like, what if I was, you know, I, I say this prayer, dear God, thank you for this day. Uh, I have nothing to complain about. What do you want me to do? That's my prayer. And for me to say, for me to say, what do you want me to do? It's different from saying, what should I do? <laughs> the answer comes back in a different way. And so what if I just start doing that? What, 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 what would it be like? And then I started looking at the second step, and I did the second step backwards, too. <laughs> I started at the end of the sentence. It says, 
came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. All right, what's this sanity thing? Okay. And do I believe that anything could make me sane? Right. Well, what would that be? You know? And it's important. And another important thing I, I noticed on, on the second step, it doesn't say believe in a power greater than yourself. Believe that. You don't even have to believe in anything. You just have to believe that something can make you sane. And my experience is very much, as was shared earlier, if I can just get quiet, I'm fine. <laughs> you know? Um, my sponsor says to me, uh, the problem is not the content of your thoughts, it's thinking itself. <laughs> And I'll start, well, I think that I should, blah, 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 blah. He goes, what were, the, what were those first two words out of your mouth? <laughs> and uh, so I just try to go into this quiet, serene place. And I guess my faith is that if I can do that, what comes out of it's going to be good. You know, I can't think myself into compassion. I can't think myself into creativity. I can't think myself into humility. But if I can just take refuge in quiet, um, it'll all be good, <laughs> you know. So that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eric, a recovering sexaholic. Uh, and it's uh, great to be here. Uh, this topic is terrific. Um, I uh, have been in SA since 2004, and um, this year I'm going to be 50 years old. And uh, throughout the time, my time in SA, and for most of my life, I've been what spiritually I would call a seeker. Um, I am still my understanding of a higher power is is constantly kind of shifting or morphing and um <clears throat> i was sharing yesterday in a breakout session that uh somewhere along the way since i've been in sa i i came to understand that um it wasn't so important what my conception of a higher power was uh, rather that i had an idea of a higher power and um, <clears throat> that's kept me going uh, through um, confusion and, and uh, doubt and, and all of these things, and uh, still does. And I'm not sure that uh, my concept of a higher power is ever going to fully gel to the point where it's going to be constant and, and ongoing. Um, and uh, I've, I'm glad to say that I've kind of reached a, a, a place of acceptance, uh, with that. And, um, as I said, now I'm sort of focusing on just not worrying about what my higher power is, but, but that, uh, I'm, I'm grounded in an idea of, of my higher power. And, uh, because I mean, I, I can tell you personally that, uh, when, when I've gotten too twisted up in my head about what my higher power is, it has led me uh, off the rails. And uh, so I know that can happen. And so um, what I need to just remember is that there is a higher power in my life. And uh, that is kind of my, uh, my anchor and, uh, you know, what it looks like and what it is isn't really as important. Um, and I just need to, on a daily basis to remember that there is a higher power and it's not me. So thank you. Hi everybody. I'm uh, Mike. I'm a grateful carpeting sexaholic from Rochester, New York. Um, my upbringing, I was, uh, uh, my family was Catholic. And so that for me meant we had to go to church every Sunday. And in my family, it was, we had to go to penance on Saturday night. 
Um, and I, uh, I was masturbating by an early age and I had with collecting by, hmm, let's say not so good means, uh, a stash of pornographic material very early. Um, and so I always remember like, uh, going to penance and, my my parents always telling me, you know, the priest is this extension of God, is God. And here I go sitting in penance, telling all of my sins except the ones that dealt with sex, um, because I couldn't even confess those. And uh, I always remember my, my mother afterwards would be like, don't you feel so much lighter and you're freer? You got rid of all those things. And here I am going, I just lied to God. So at a very early age, I just, I I remember maybe that wasn't, I didn't believe in it, but that it was painful to believe in it. So I kind of kept God at a very arm's length. Um, When I was Starting the second step, my sponsor suggested I get came to believe the book came to believe because um, I was struggling with this idea. And he said, well, just read some of these stories. And um, I was at that time, my wife had banished me to a different room. Um, and so I had woken up three in the morning and really had this strong lust temptation. Um, and uh, I, I called several people, but, you know, when people give you their number and say call any time, they don't always mean that they'll answer any time. Um, and at that time, I had called several people. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. But um, I remember going, <clears throat> you know, I need something, you know, and I, 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 I prayed. I said, I, I need something that tells me that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this strong lust temptation and... Um, I, at that time I had, um, two, two year old twin boys and they had just, they weren't quite two yet. They had just started to walk and I opened, I just grabbed that came to believe book. I had really very only looked through a couple things and I just, you know, give me something. And I opened up the book and there's a story in there about these twin boys taking their first 12 steps. And I was like, Okay. Okay. You know, and it was to me, and there's been other signs too, but that was like a, okay. I don't, I don't know what it was like other people have said, but there was a higher power looking out for my interests at that time. So thanks. Good morning, everybody. I'm Dennis W. from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm so glad I got up and got down here. You know, I'm dragging myself around my room and kind of putzing with the time and go, oh, maybe uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. I've already heard the things that help um, clarify in my mind even more some of the dissonance I feel in my in myself when I attend meetings. Been meeting around meetings for a lot of years. I totally believe in the 12 steps. I know it's given me sobriety and gives me hope that I'll live a, a life where I can be connected to others, and give. However, for me, in the second step, where I got hung up was I needed to figure out this God thing. I was going to figure this thing out, and I worked on it, and I read, and I talked, and I this, and I that. And one day, somebody turned to me and said, you know what, Dennis, you just need to think about this for a second you're putting yourself in the position where when you are have this all figured out, then you're going to approve God and say, this is an okay God, this is, this is right within my thinking, everything is good. That that's where you were going with this. And for that, for me, that was just a, a really huge moment of insight to realize that I was making myself God by putting myself in the position of approving God, of saying, okay, this God thing works, this is the right way to think about it, I found this God. So that was big and huge and meaningful, and it still is to me today, but the next step in my, uh, next part of my second step was that thing that had been following me around since I was a little kid, that, that shame thing, that thing like, 
I was taught that you know God was this big power and and He keeps score and and one of these days this bolt of lightning is going to come down and by God remember all that silly stuff that you were involved with aha you're going to pay your price in that moment poof you're gone all in a in a tragic moment and then it might. My final part of my second step experience is when the day came where I realized I had to answer a question. And it was a very simple question. Is my God, is my higher power for me or against me? Just that simple. And I was able to get to a point where I am able to believe my higher power, by whatever definition, I don't need to understand it, is for me not against me. And that's what's carried me here to uh, through the into sobriety and into this room today is just the fact that, yeah, I have a higher power. Uh, thank you. Good morning. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic hey, uh, from Maryland. Um, this is my first conference, and when I first saw the schedule posted, this was the first meeting that I circled and said, this is the first one I'm, I'm not the first one I'm going to, because I went to some yesterday, but the one that I am most interested in going to, because it is my number one struggle uh, in the program. I've been working... Well, I shouldn't say I've been working the program. I've been in the program for about a year. Um, I've been in therapy for three or four years. I'm sorry. Um, And my wife uh, has been in Essanon for, again, for three or four years, Um, and the reason that she has been in Essanon far longer than I have been in SA was that I was locked up and I was unable to attend, although I knew that I wanted to attend. But while I was locked up, I spent a lot of time, as you do have a lot of time, thinking about the steps that led you to getting to this point. Um, and there is a lot of people that embrace God under those circumstances. Um, and I tried to do that as well and still struggled. Um, but knowing that my wife was involved in Essanon, um, I knew that I wanted to go out when I, when I was able to, to get involved in SA, but I knew I was going to still struggle with this concept. Um, and I still am struggling to this day, but I am no longer letting it hinder my use of the program. My, that's not really the best word, my involvement in the program, my acceptance of the program. Um, I, you know, recently, um, you know, and, and I know that we've all read it before, but I, I wanted to read it one more time because it's a real quick, um, passage within step two, where it says, at first, all I believed in was my sickness and lack of faith. Soon, however, I was telling myself, I hope it's all true. Then I began acting as if it were, and faith in the program itself, faith in the program itself was established. As I became more honest and open to the truth in others, I came to believe that others had faith. And that's pretty much where I am right now. Um, I definitely see the faith in others. I have not yet gotten to the point where I can say finally genuine faith in a higher power came over me so slowly as a God of my very own and a faith that worked for me. But I am accepting of the concept of a higher power, and I do accept um, the concept of the group of the program as that higher power. I still haven't quite figured out exactly what that represents for me. Um, but again, I'm, I'm grateful for the program. I'm grateful for this conference. I'm grateful for the leaders that, um, that chose this topic because I think it's a great one. Um, and there were mentions of a couple books that I need to look into. So I appreciate that as well. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Ed uh, from San Antonio. I'm a lustaholic and sexaholic. Um, on on uh, most days, I believe in a God, uh, but I have a real appreciation for atheists. I know uh, in the program, uh, atheism is a is a tenable position to me. I I believe atheism is a spiritual belief, and uh, I, and I respect it that way. I know that sometimes I, I'm just expressing my feelings. I often feel kind of grieved for my atheist friends and colleagues uh, because I sometimes hear in meetings probably well-meaning people seem to feel like atheism is not a tenable position. Or they would answer the question, can an atheist work the 12 steps um, in a way sort of like, uh, yeah, for now, let's just get them started, and then they'll become not atheists anyway in the future. That's sort of you know what I mean. That's their idea is sort of um, well, let's sort of humor them, and soon they won't be atheists, and then we can relax because we won't want to feel nervous around them anymore. I'm, and I just uh, I kind of hurts my feelings. Like I say, most days I'm a a believer in God, but I've been I've been helped by atheists who are have sponsored people for decades and are still atheists and they're perfectly great at teaching and encouraging people at working the steps. I hope they never change. It might ruin something. Um, I, I appreciate in the, in the 12 and 12 where it says that the 12 steps does not demand that you believe anything. I think some folks Take that to mean it doesn't demand that you believe anything for right now, but we hope soon you change. Uh, we can't expect change, except people as it is. And then it says, quit bothering yourself with deep questions such as, and so uh, I've quit bothering myself. I, I don't want atheists to feel they have to change. I don't want atheists to feel that there's some uh, secret problem they can't talk about in the group. Uh, I wish everybody, at least in my group, could just ah, relax a little bit and find the the beauty in the 12 steps, not dependent upon theism or atheism itself. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Are we time to wrap up? We're going to have time for another share. Hi everybody. I'm John. I'm from New Jersey, and I'm a and I'm a sexaholic, alcoholic, triaholic. Anything I try, I get addicted to. Um, this topic is foreign to me because I was born Catholic, raised Catholic, believed in the Catholic faith tremendously. But God put uh, my God, my deity, put me in a position where I have an atheist sponsor and non-believer sponsees believe me below me or with me i should say that i help and it gives me all sorts of conflict and as the last presenter discussed well he'll get it soon and i realized no that isn't the way it is and i i can honestly say that going back years i thought all those people in china they don't believe in god my god but they they're fed every day they survive every day. They have their same troubles that I have. And Southeast Asia, the whole world is like this cosmic evolution of, of spiritual beings that are different than me. And who am I to say that they're wrong? And, um, and then there's the, the, the notion, and I'm, this is totally ad lib, as you can probably tell. Uh, then there's the notion that, um, why do we have to call him God? He, if he's a humble, if he's a humble spirit, he doesn't care what name he's called. He has no identity. His identity is love and universality. So that took me on a journey to um, mindfulness and non-mindfulness and presence. And uh, I, I'm leading a. a, a a share later on today. 
And this week I was struck by the most powerful, as someone else has described, the most powerful desire to act out that I've had in four years and 10 months that I've been sober, sexually sober. And all I could do was lay down in bed and stop everything. Is that time? Okay. Lay down in bed, stop everything, and say, I want to be with you. I don't know who you are. And over time, everything stopped. Thanks for letting me share. All right, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Cindy. I am one of those well-meaning people that have uh, tried to force things down throats of others. And largely, probably the reason that the majority of my family that I drug to church um, has no parts of church. And I can't single-handedly say that I, you know, um, brought their decisions into their minds, but I know that I played a part. And I also know that's probably why I'm in this room, because it would be a good thing to begin with folks like you who I know practice amends and such to try a practice amends <laughs> of what I would say if and when God makes a way that they can hear from me that um the God I represented to them was not real. It was a figment of my horrible, well, just an imagination that wasn't grounded in love. It was not grounded in love. It was not grounded in connectedness. And um, I'm convinced today that that is what has, how God is working in me through, to get to me. God speaks to me is what I'm trying to say through the connectedness of this, of the fellows that I listen to every day. Cause I, I guess in a, in a strange way, um, you know, don't have a lot at face to face meetings. So my contact with the program is on the phone. So it's a little bit easier or it lends itself to imagination and opening up, you know, even what people's faces look like or anything like that. So it's changing my imagination, even of God himself. And in turn, then I think that it's making its way into my heart. Like I said, the amends. So I'd like to start here and just, I've never really done amends. I'm really on step one. So, I mean, I've, I've practiced amends in another fellowship, but to me, this is the real fellowship. This, this work that goes on here. And again, I want to go back to the connectedness is deep. It's deep for me and it's uh, changing me and my time has expired. So I just want to say thank you for listening. all the time we have for... Well, I'm, I'm going to grab the mic okay. for one second because sure. there's two things I thought of. One is someone once shared in a meeting something that has stuck with me ever since, which is figuring it out is not a good policy. <laughs> and for people like me, it's true. You know, this idea that if I think it all through, it's going to all make sense. And then I... No. A lot of it has to do with letting go of thinking. The other one is, you know, this came to believe that something could restore us to sanity. It reminds me of the great Chico Marx who once said about some contract with an insanity clause, Oh, you can't a fool of me. There ain't a no insanity clause. <laughs> um, so uh, the, I, I use the, the non-theistic third-step prayer, which is I say you instead of thee, and, and yet thou and art and i don't do the james the, the king james version of it because in one of the great books we have it says it doesn't matter what the words are it's the meaning and the feeling so i'd like to offer that we might close with the third step prayer and welcome you to try it if you haven't using um just you instead of the and thou and all and just see how it feels you don't have to this is just you're welcome to, to share that version of it with me Okay, I'll just uh, say that this is an anonymous program. Anonymity gives me the right to say that I was here, but it does not give me the right to say that you were here. Please keep the name, address, and anything that you learned here or was said here to yourself. And what you hear here, please leave it here. 
Okay, let's uh, stand in a circle and hold hands, and I'll ask Franklin to lead us in the prayer. silence for those suffering inside and outside of these walls, and the people that we've harmed, and people that have harmed us, including ourselves. God, God, I offer myself to you, to build with me, to do with me as you will. Believe me upon yourself, that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties, and victory over them, may bear witness to those who will help, of your power, and your love, and your bright life, and how you do your will always. Keep coming back if it works, if you work it, if you work it, you're worth it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.